Hey guys, and welcome to the second episode of the Spurs 82 Plus Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about the game against the Bulls. We're going to talk about the upcoming game against the Raptors. And we're also going to talk about the fact that the Golden State Warriors and the Oklahoma City Thunder are both 1-2. and two. So, how you guys been since the last game? Uh, pretty good. Not too, too much has been going on. Yeah, I think we should introduce ourselves just in case someone randomly finds this podcast and doesn't know who we are. No, yeah, I was going to do that after you guys spoke your very first words. That's kind of how I heard some of these things go in some other podcasts. So, right here on my left that you cannot see because this is audio, is my twin brother, TJ. Hi. And right in front of me, which you cannot see because this is audio, is my older audio brother. Audio land. Is I'm our, JD. Right. Okay, so... And this is CJ, because he forgot to introduce himself. Because that's not important at all. Not at all. I honestly did forget. Worst host ever. Minus five stars. If you guys want to restart this, we can. <laughs> okay, okay, let's, let's get back. Let's get back to the show. Okay, so the last game we talked about was, you know, the Minnesota Timberwolves against the Spurs. T-Bucks. Season opener. You know, we're all feeling high. We're feeling good. Then we go online. Everyone's like, yeah, it's good. It's just game one, though. Talk to me when LaMarcus is putting this up every game. Talk to me when Kawhi is back and not looking like an old man walking upstairs. So Talk- about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll start with that, why don't we? So it turns out Kawhi walking up those stairs is either a troll move or just precautionary measures. Some of us think he might have had like an intense workout just before he got on the plane. Because everyone was, all the media, like uh, Express News and, you know, the local TV stations were all saying, hold up, guys. Why would Kawhi, if he's really that injured, be going on a plane to Chicago in the first place? Especially since it was a one-day trip. Indeed. So um, when they got there, uh, one of the guys, I can't remember the name, actually tweeted out, Kawhi Leonard is walking like a 25-year-old man. Oh, my God. That is a shocker because he's 26. <laughs> no, that seriously, someone else actually replied to that saying that. So, uh, it turns out Kawhi is fine. Um, he's still not playing against the Raptors. War is a precautionary measure. Right. He he's looking better, and it's it's a day by day basis. So he should be back soon. This is about what I expected when they first brought it up, though. I figured he would miss the first few games. I, I thought a week at most, and we're we're getting around there. So, you know, nothing to be alarmed of. I could see it being two if Pop is feeling very, very uh, safe. Right. Mm. But like I said, that it's nothing to be afraid of. This is just you know business as usual, the opening season. And we don't really have to worry too much. Like, yeah, Kawhi, get, get that better as quickly as possible. But only when you're better should you come back. We don't need you to come back and get hurt, you know? Yeah, don't rush it. Just be better by November 2nd. Especially mm-hmm. when LaMarcus Aldridge is playing as well as he is right exactly. now. Exactly. We keep feeding our shark and we feed him well. So let's talk about the, the Bulls game since that's kind of where all this is coming from. Um, all right. Full disclaimer. Um, we were unable to see this live because someone, not naming any names, had math homework. I was not the only one with math homework, you know. Well... No, bus had math homework. Yeah, I know. I'm just making fun of the fact that someone on the RNBA Spurs Discord literally said, "Someone help me with some math." I will. <laughs> w- what did he say? You, you so, something about math problems? Yeah. Yeah. I was um, vaguely reading through the Discord, waiting for for him to wrap up so we could get to the game. So you know how it is. Yeah. Um, so I was not the only Spurs fan that night who had to do math. Anyways, so because of that, we had it on DVR. And all div- and we were able to get pretty much through the first quarter, and while we were trying to fast forward through commercials, our DVR glitched up oh at the used car salesman ad for Austin. You know which one it is, but not gonna name it. <laughs> and so we couldn't get past that ad, so we had to go live, which was pretty much the beginning of the second quarter. Third quarter. Okay, third quarter. My bad. Beginning of the second half. Yeah. yeah. My bad. My bad. Sue me. Anyways, so we didn't get to see the second quarter, and from the recaps and highlights we saw, we missed absolutely nothing because the entire first half, the only person that played well in the Spurs was Lamarcus Aldridge. Yeah, as it turns out, because we went afterwards uh, the next day, we went and we watched some highlights, we read some game uh, recaps and all that stuff. 
this game might as well have been a glorified preseason game. This is something we kind of brought up last episode, but I kind of want to dig into this a little more while we have the chance. They moved the the regular season up a bit, and they shortened the preseason. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of what you have to expect when you do this kind of move. Yeah, because the thing about it is that just because you make the games count doesn't mean that it's actually going to change the level of play, because you still have that time that you have to get the teams to mesh with each other. So, really, at the end of the day, these are just extra throwaway games in order to make the season longer. Exactly. Well, no, it's not longer. It's still only 82. The whole idea was that you wouldn't rest as many players because you can spread the games out over a longer period of time. Yeah, it actually shortens the season, technically. Somehow. Well, regardless, it, it's not doing what they want it to do. It's it's going to cause some of these early games no, no, it's, it's to doing, be rougher. No, no. It's doing exactly what they want to do it because it allows them to not have people rest enjoying the nationally televised games. That's the whole reason they did it. Yeah, that's the whole thing. They really don't want people resting in the nationally televised games because Pop started it back in, was it 2014? Uh, 2012. 2012, really? Yeah, he's been resting. That's when he got fined by David Storm. Yeah. Okay, because I remember he rested... Tim? Was it 2013? No, it was 2013. It was it was it was it was David Stone that fined them. Okay, so. yeah, it had we to know be 20, that. Then it was 2013 because 2014 was uh Silver's first, yeah, I believe. Yeah, because it was Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Monty Ginobili, and I think Kawhi Leonard. None of them flew to a Heat game, and it was a nationally televised one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then it was definitely 2013. The only starter was Danny Green, and none of them flew to the building, and David Stone find him. That was the first real big time this had happened. Wait, so Tiago Splitter didn't play that game either? Maybe Tiago Splitter did play. But the point is, I know it was like I know it was like only all of like one one starter and the bench. Yeah, it was like something along those something, lines. Yeah, it was ludicrous. It was some ludicrous thing and we almost beat them anyways. <laughs> that was the funniest part. Oh my gosh. Um so because of that, that that was the first time that happened and then it really came to our head last year. <laughs> When not only were the Spurs resting guys, LeBron's wet resting, the Warriors were resting, this whole thing, and it became this whole big deal. I remember there was that stupid uh, nationally televised game. It was a uh, Warriors, Warriors, Warriors bench Spurs, Spurs bench. bench where none of the starters played for either team, and ESPN yep. was talking about think about this poor kid who showed up from Mexico to see this one game and he can't see any of his players playing. And it was a Warriors fan too. In San Antonio. And, okay, like, I feel bad for the kid. I really do. And I know that, you know, coming from Mexico, the parents paid a lot. But But. they're making mountains out of molehills and it's ESPN just being ridiculous because they want more ratings. Yeah, no, let's be real. This thing is not about the live audience. This is not about live tickets. This is entirely driven by the fact they are nationally televised games. If it were a small market game, they wouldn't care. If it were too small, let's, let's be real. Before the Warriors became what the Warriors are, if it were those Warriors versus the Spurs, they don't care. Yeah, because it would have been the We Believe Warriors. Right. They, it that, wouldn't have been a national it's game literally, either. That's the thing. Yeah, it wouldn't be a national game. It's two small market teams at the time. Even though, you know, the size is technically not small out there, they they had the same level of respect as a small market Golden team. Golden State, yeah, that's the funny thing. Golden State's market is not small because, especially right now, it might change, I think, in a couple of years when they get that new stadium. Or, well, no, not stadium, mm-hmm. arena. But they encompass both San Francisco and Oakland. That's why they're called Golden State. Right. That's why most people refer to them as the Bay rather than Oakland or right. San Francisco. And yet they have the city and the town. Which town and which city? I mean, I'm, I, Animal I'm, Crossing? Sh- I'm sure that's to refer to Oakland and uh, right. San Fran, San Fran being the city and Oakland being the town. I'm not a Warriors fan. I don't care. I'm just saying, like, you've got two cities. You can't be a small market market by default. Right. And, you know, I get San Antonio and all the Texas teams in general are hard to be classified as markets because on one hand, they're a highly populated area, some of the largest in the, in the mm-hmm. country. Houston in particular. Which but is because 100%. they don't have the television, Hollywood, New York thing, right? they're considered smaller markets. Except for Houston. Houston and Dallas because Dallas is Dallas. 
So t- so basically, the FW is freaking huge. Calling that a small yeah, market, is no, like, that's insane to me. The fact that you know, I I feel like Dallas gets treated like a mid-sized market because of that. Even though it's it's big, it just doesn't have the same television infrastructure that Houston does. Yeah, I could see that. And Houston fluctuates between big market and small market depending on how good they are. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I think that's another conversation for another time that we'll probably get to over the course of this podcast, which is that market sizes don't really mean much unless you're a great team and you still treat it like crap. Because it's like, like we said, the Warriors were a quote-unquote small market until recently, and now they're a huge market, even though they've always been a huge market because they have two cities. Right. And then you've got Oklahoma City is always a small market because it's Oklahoma City, but people treat them with way much more uh, respect because of the fact that they've been so successful. The Brooklyn for so long. Nets are treated like a small market, despite the <laughs> fact that they're in Brooklyn and they yep. have the Barclays Center, which is what everyone agrees to be one of the best sta- arenas out there. To be fair to OKC, the reason that they're treated so highly isn't just because they're good, though that does help. It's because they sell. Tickets. They have mm. sold out that building ever since they showed. They have sold out that building ever since they had the New Orleans, Oklahoma City Hornets. OKC loves them some basketball. I get that, but what about the Nets? They suck. <laughs> I was hoping for you to say they're the Nets, but that's close enough. <laughs> good there, enough. There was once a time when they were actually good. That was when they were in the ABA and when they had Jason Kidd. That's those two times. times. Yes, there were two, okay. There were two times when they were good. Those times have passed. They suck. Okay. Along with all Jason. So well, that that's a conversation we'll get back to on another time. But the point is, there's been this whole resting thing, and Pop's resting Kawhi again, but it's fine. And that's why they're doing the whole extending the season, shortening the preseason. <laughs> but like we've been saying, the the, the trail for that is quality of game in the opening games. And this isn't just an NBA thing. Remember mm-hmm. the infamous XFL that had like a one week long preseason and yeah, the games it, were so bad. It's that simple. The teams have to practice if you want the quality of the sport to be there. If you don't have that, then you're just going to end up with a mediocre product. It's not complicated. Now, with an 82 game season, like the way the NBA is, this actually kind of works in their favor mm-hmm. because you as a viewer get to see them progress and become really good depending on which team you choose oh, yeah. over the course of the ATU games right if this were it would work sim- it works in basketball in theory this same concept would work in something like baseball but it it would never work in something like like football or even association football i don't think it would be a match for i don't even think it would work in hockey yeah anyway so the game we didn't miss much apparently from what we did miss so here, let's look at the box score a bit. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge played 32 minutes, so he played six less minutes in the previous game. He uh, was 12 of 24. That's a 50%, which is way better than last time. Yes. Last time he was like nine of something. So his efficiency is going up a bit. Uh-huh. He had 28 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, two blocks, one steal. Suffice to say we were playing through LaMarcus. Most of that game. He had uh, four free throws out of four. He attempted two three-point shots. In fact, our whole team, he didn't make any. No one made a three-point shot except Danny Green. And Danny only attempted two. Mm -hmm. And And he only made one. We still won by ten. With only one three-point. In a league that is now dominated by three points. We won a game by ten, shooting only one. Oh, I forgot to mention the score. 87-77. 87-77. We're back in the mid-2000s, boys. <laughs> that explains the, the one-three point. <laughs> yeah, no, that's thing. It was a very, very low-scoring game. It, it took a while for the teams to really get into a rhythm. Yeah, both teams just... Both teams played bad, and except for, like, a couple of people here where they were both teams, like mm-hmm. Lamarcus, it just... It pretty much just came down to uh, Lamar, Lamarcus versus... Robin Lopez, I'd say. Why yeah. Robin Lopez was the big score? Um, you'd Why? think that, but there were four guys with 13 points plus on the Bulls team. Okay, so it was Aldridge versus the Bulls, and clearly Aldridge won. <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, we didn't have too many high-scoring guys besides Aldridge, but Powell had 10. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Danny had nine. Oh, that's pretty good. Rudy Gay had twelve. Oh, hey. Um, there you go. Dejounte had eight, and then um, we had a couple of guys who had five. It was uh, Ginobili and uh, Laver and Bryn Forbes had four. And so on and so and, forth. And uh, Kyle Anderson had four. So a pretty typical Spursian spread. Right. Um, what really won, though, the game was defense. I think that's yes. the one thing. Even as ugly as the game could, could – as the ugly as the game was and as bad as we shot, the defense was there. It was always on point. Yeah. And that's most important because defense is one of those things. If you don't really have it down at the beginning of the season, it's really hard to make it yeah. better and have it be at the level that it needs to be once the postseason happens. And having the defense there now makes games like this where everyone's struggling with shooting and not everyone and everyone's not really making points except for one guy. It makes that viable. It makes that we can still make it back because we've got defense. They're not going to shoot on us. And when you look at the fact that a lot of the bigger teams are kind of struggling right now, the only one in the West that's, you know, on us, that's on our level, that's still as undefeated, obviously, you know, for your game, small sample size, yada, yada, is the Houston Rockets. And I know that the, the Thunder, no excuse for them. I know Golden State, they were out with, they didn't, uh, KD and Curry got ejected. Let's talk about that while we're on the subject. What happened? They got kicked off. What happened? I don't know the particulars. I, all I know is that uh, Curry was arguing with the ref. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, I believe it's because he got uh, five fouls really quickly, and I believe he a lot he didn't agree with a lot of them. A lot of them seemed very tick attack. Yeah, I and believe. I believe that he also threw his mouthpiece. Yeah, he threw his mouthpiece in frustration. He the thing is that that's nothing new. He's right. There's the infamous shot from when they lost the finals in 2016. Where he throws his mouthpiece in frustration, and like that was like a defining mo- uh, moment of the yeah, narrative. But of that. he threw it at the ref. No, no, he just that's threw, why I heard. no, no. He that's probably what why the ref ejected him because he thought he threw it at the ref. He just threw it in frustration. What mm-hmm. probably happened is he threw it. It bounced up and in the direction of the ref. Right. And you know, we've seen Joey Crawford tee up Tim Duncan just for laughing. Right. And we've seen look. Here's the, thing, the reason I'm. I'm going to say Curry didn't throw it at the ref. It's because I've seen when someone has thrown a ball at a ref. <laughs> Wes Westbrook last year. <laughs> you can tell when they're aiming it at the ref. And while Wes probably didn't mean to hit the ref, he was and he did throw it at the ref. So because of that, Curry got ejected, and then Kevin Durant flipped the ref off, I believe. Uh, no, Not no, exactly. no, no. No, he, he got mad at the ref as well, and the ref injected him, and he... It looked like he was flipping the crowd off, but he wasn't. He was actually pointing to his wing finger. If you look at the footage slow down, it was clearly his wing finger. Essentially saying, yeah, whatever, I'm a champ. Because mm-hmm. Kevin Durant is a champ who... I, I'm not going to take any more pot shots. That's, the, the offseason is over. No, time to move on. Yeah. Right. But, basically. Yeah, he, he, but you can't take away the fact that he is a champ. Yep. He's got a ring. You can't take that away from him. No. Ego things aside, you can't take that ring away. But, you know, they lost. Grizzlies won. And then the Grizzlies... Proceeded to win again. I'm trying to remember who they beat the second time. I'll, I'll try to figure that later when we start talking about other stuff. Um, but yeah, and then the Thunder lost. So now it's just the Rockets and maybe the Clippers. And to be fair to the Thunder, they lost at the last minute to Buzzer Beetle by Andrew Wiggins mm-hmm. to the T-Pups. That's right. They lost to the T-Pups. Yeah, but again, they lost because Andrew Wiggins hit a clutch buzzer beetle. So they just so to be for those things happen. Yeah, no, yeah, but and you know who who didn't lose to the to the T pups? Uh, The the San Antonio Spurs. Sorry, I'm I'm going to take the time to gloat when I can because I know that halfway through the season it's going to be a tight race where everyone's trying to see who's going to be the first, (laughs) second, third, fourth seed, and everyone, literally everyone, was like. Spurs are fourth seed. Some people put the Spurs at fifth seed. I'm trying to figure out what are you on. So, uh, what what remind me? Uh, what what seed did we end up at? When last season, second, second we had 61 wins. Oh, and in the season before that, we were second with 67 wins. It, it, it's almost as if the Spurs are a really solid, consistent franchise that you realistically should vote against at your own peril. Pretty much. 
Oh, and speaking of the Rockets, because you you mentioned how the Rockets are the only team that's currently on our level that's undefeated. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this. Turns, uh, as an update to that Chris Paul injury, uh, turns out it was worse than we thought, and he'll be out two to four weeks. Oh, oh no! Yeah, I mean, like it's it's really more precautionary thing because it's it's right. still only you know because of a it's really more of a bruise knee. You know what but their next game he, is? Uh, who? The Grizzlies. Oh yeah, they're undefeated right now. Uh, anyways, but like the reason I'm bringing that up is because again he'll be out two to four weeks, and it is a precautionary thing, and it, we had to pay attention to that because Chris Paul is injury prone. Right. It, it might be the course of the Clippers. I don't know, but he's injury prone. It's hard to say. Hopefully he you bounces know, back, bounces yeah. Because he's a great player. I like watching him. But he's fun to watch, no doubt. Even when I don't like the stuff that he does against my team. Yeah. C- can I just entertain that notion for a second, though? Like the Grizzlies beating both Golden State and Houston. Just like how funny that could be. Because everyone was like, Grizzlies are going to be so bad this year. <laughs> Everyone's like, just blow it up. But that would be hilarious. Yeah, that would be a, a really interesting piece of irony. Considering that they were saying just blow it up. Marcus Soul and Mike Conley's revenge. Take that for data. Thanks, David Fisdale. Okay, I was wondering who would drop that for us. <laughs> Getting back to the game. I mean, I think that kind of says it all. The fact I that mean, we yeah, have to we, get we, back to the yeah, game. I mean, it was just a very, by the numbers, run to the mill. This should have been a preseason game. Game. There, it wasn't. It wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. I mean, you know, we we we've been to preseason games before in in person. Even they're fun. They're yeah. great. It's a really good time. To really get to see the dynamics before everything really counts. But you know, this game was basically one of those, except that it counts towards your ledger. Oh, and uh, to really emphasize pretty much how much of a nothing game this was on NBA proper. Um, the mods didn't even make a post game thread. A actual user had to make it, and he messed up two times. Oh, Thank wow. you, so we had to make APG a APG for that, that post game thread. And it find, the third one finally stuck because the first time he posted the one score, he posted the score for uh, Raptors Sixers. Oh my god! And then the second time he messed up the highlighting, so we had to make a third one. Oh, I believe. Man. And, and so yeah, that, that's how much of a nothing game this was. That the mods didn't even make a post game thread. Yeah. But they could take down his failed ones. <laughs> That's literally what he said. Like, thanks, mods, for being able to take down my failed ones. Let me pull up the actual. I don't. I don't like the misquoting people. Quote. I don't. I don't like misquoting. Here we go. There's your post game thread. After like five tries, mods don't care enough to make a post game thread, but take down my flawed ones. Shake my head. Well, you twelve APG Raptors flare. What can you do? Thanks for the threat, though. So, but let, let's just quickly, because, you know, we, we should talk a little bit more. Maybe not about the game itself, but just, you know, thoughts you can t- take away from it. I mean, I think the big thing to take away is that LaMarcus seems to be shaping up to be pretty consistent. Um, we're not going to be able to really say that until probably a week or two from now. And more importantly, it's not about what he does without Kawhi. It's about what he does with at this exactly. point. Exactly. And it's good that we see him do well without Kawhi, especially because mm-hmm. after last year when Kawhi went down, we he now completely have, disappeared. We now have an answer. That's the big thing. What happens when we don't have Kawhi? Well, we have LaMarcus. Right. And, you know, he's he's starting out averaging that double-double, which is what he promised he'd bring to the table when we first signed him. And 20-plus po- any tw- points. Exactly. 20-plus right. points, 10 rebounds every game. And he actually, like we said, he grew in efficiency. Last time it was 9 of like 21 or something around mm-hmm. those lines where it, it wasn't very efficient. This time it's 12 of 24. That's 50%. Anything above 40 is honestly really good, but anything above 48 is amazing when yeah. it comes to efficiency. Absolutely. And Especially when you get to three-point shots. Yeah, he didn't do well three-pointing, but I'm just saying like when it comes to efficiency, anyone who shoots above 45 three-points is an amazing three-pointer. Now, let's be real, though. Remember who we were playing against. Yeah, we were playing against the, the Bulls. A really bad team. Let's dissect this for a bit, because the thing about it is that, you know, it's always going to be insane to me. I mean, I'm, I'm going to expose myself a little bit here, um, because... You know, being from the 90s, it, it's always hard for me to watch the Bulls these days because in your mind, in the back of your mind, you're always going to think of Jordan's Bulls and the Jordan era. I mean, it was everywhere growing Scottie up Pippen. as a child. Yeah, exactly. Scotty and and the guys. But to to see the state of that franchise 
now, it it kind of hurts, man. Just straight up, it hurts. It's and like growing up. You're seeing this childhood idol you you always kind of worshipped as a basketball fan growing up in the 90s. Like, and now he's like I in the back the alley. That. Yeah, no, it's like he's now in the back alley, stoned with a ball of rum, just like passed out. It really makes you appreciate the Spurs so much because they're, they won, they're won so well that even when you're franchise player, it's like every franchise player that you have sets it up for his next. Yeah, yeah George Gervin wasn't able to uh, truly set up for David Robinson. He instead left and spent a year in Chicago that was with Michael Jordan. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was poor management. But hey, he helped Michael Jordan, so that's there always a plus in my book. Um, but David Robinson was able to keep you know bring the Spurs back. And, you know, uh, help transition to Timmy. And then Timmy transitioned gracefully into Kawhi. And that's allowed us to have this amazing stretch and really keep the Spurs always in playoff, you know. Contention. Contention. Yeah. And it really makes you appreciate that and the fact that straight up as Spurs fans, we're spoiled. Yeah. We are spoiled with an amazing organization who, in my opinion, has made an organization that can be self-sustaining with its players, with its coaches. And it's even spilled spilled over into the rest of the league. Yeah, with the way that our players end up in other in other, you know, teams, and the way that our coaching staff has basically infected the rest of the NBA. I mean, look at look at a lot of the other teams that are trying to recreate that same longevity. You've got the Sixers with Brett Brown, right? Um, you've got teams like the Nets, who in their endless ability to not be able to do anything because of all those terrible spent draft picks. They signed one of our front office guys to be their new GM. One would argue that the Warriors are an example of a organization that is doing kind of stuff that the Spurs do, that the Spurs do but doing it in their own way. I mean, you can't fault them. They, they built through the draft with Curry and yep. Thompson. The yeah. only thing is that they, they've done it in this generation – but the Spurs, like you said, they did it through three generations. You had Admiral, you had Robinson, you had Timmy, and then you had Kawhi. So right. it's like, don't get me wrong. What the Warriors are doing is historical. No doubt about that. But it's not the Spurs until you can do it once Steph Curry's out. Right, and that's, yeah, one, yeah, that's a big the, thing. The, the front office, not to run over yet, but the front office has been consistent. And that long, I think that's the real secret to the success of the Spurs is that they've been able to keep continuity, yeah, in the front office this whole time. Yeah. So I guess the thing, the thing that really will, time will tell about the Warriors and whether or not they can continue to be a model organization, is when Corey leaves, when the, when the super team breaks up. Yeah. Can the front office be able to sustain them to where even if they don't win all the time still, they can still be in the playoffs consistently and maybe continue to win 50-plus games? Indeed. Time will tell. Yeah, because someone on uh, – I think it was like one of the last posts of the offseason. Someone posted all the winningest teams, their streaks of playoff of 50-plus seasons and how many games they won over that stre- uh, that stretch. And as it went, as the uh, amount of gate uh, playoff seasons, and as the amount of fifty win seasons went up, the amount of games slowly went down. But by the time you hit like sixteen or seventeen, it was all Spurs just by moving the year back to ninety nine, closer to ninety nine. Right. And we won like seventy five percent of the games over from ninety nine to right now. Right. That's really impressive because. You have to keep in mind, the more games there are, the wider the sample size, which means obviously that win percentage is going to go down because there's more losses to add to the pile, even with all those wins. Because not every game, every season, not every season is going to be you won 65 games or we've only won 60 games like three times in franchise history. Right. And yet we have five rings. Exactly. And it's like, it's not about, not necessarily the amount of games you win, but you know, the, you know, that winning culture though. And th- these were uh, win percentages that were comparable to the 60s Celtics and the uh, Showtime Lakers. You know, these amazingly historical teams. And that's the thing we need to see. Can can the Warriors do that? Can their front office be good enough to be able to... Maybe not 20-plus, because, you know, that's... Trying to, trying to replicate what the Spurs did is really pretty much impossible. Right. You need that perfect storm. But can you at least get, like, 5-plus? Can you get... 
10 plus. If you can get 10, then maybe 20 is possible. Most people didn't even think we would get 8. Right. Most people thought we'd be done after Tim Duncan retired. And most people were not expecting him to retire at the age of 40. I, I would like to remind you that 2007 was the first year that everyone was saying the schools were too, were too old. And that was 10 years ago. There you go. Okay, so moving on, um, let's talk about the next game. We are going to be playing the Toronto Raptors, and it will be on NBA TV. Unless you live in market, then it will be on San and on, on Fox Sports Southwest. It will be at 7.30 p.m. CT. That's tip-off. What's interesting is the Raptors are going to be a real test. They're the first real team we're going to be facing. Right. Because they're, they're an East playoff team. Right. I mean, yeah, it's the East, but they're still a top seed in the East. I right think you're downplaying the Timberwolves a little bit because they, ju- they little just bit, beat the Thunder. A little bit, but you also have to remember that the the Timberwolves are still a young and developing team, whereas the Raptors are a little bit more established. The other thing is that it's going to be interesting just because they are in this precarious spot where everyone's kind of sleeping on them because they're, for lack of a better term, I don't want to be too mean to Raptors, but they're kind of uh, chokers. They can't yep. seem to get it done. It's been that way for years. I don't think you're being mean. And so it's like people are kind of ignoring them because like, yeah, they're doing okay, but how long is this going to last? And will they ever actually amount to anything? Even though they were close to getting first seed near the end there last year, everyone's all like, well, it's LeBron and the Cavs are still going to win, so who cares? Yeah. And the only guys that ever thought could beat them were the Celtics, and Gordon Hayward is pretty much out for the season, so... There you go. There you go. The, the East is awash in a lot of people's minds. I'm not saying that's true, just like how I'm not assuming the Warriors are going to win the whole right. darn thing, even though a lot of people believe that. But it's one of those things where the Raptors, on one hand, are they really that much of a test? But on the other hand, they're still a legitimate playoff team right. with playoff experience. They're the best that we're going to get until we start getting to the truly elite teams. Yeah, and you know, the other thing to keep in mind is we're, we're still without Kawhi. I believe they just confirmed that he's not going to play against the Raptors. They have. So how good are our chances? I don't think we're going to beat them if we play like we did, played like we did against the Bulls. Absolutely not. The reason that we won against the Bulls is because both us and the Bulls are playing bad. Um, this is one of those cases where the Spurs, a lot of the time, will play up to the standard they're playing against. In this case, we are playing one of the worst teams in the league, so we're going to basically phone it in except for – or starters. Right, and I hope that actually does continue a little, not necessarily of playing down to our competition when we play terrible teams, but finding that extra gear when we play great teams. Exactly. Yeah. I, I do want to say really quickly uh, one thing that we didn't touch upon in the Bulls game was that even though he didn't score as much, DeJounte Murray was hustling out there. He looks very good. If he continues to play that way, then the future is looking so bright for him. Uh, oh, no doubt. DeJounte really, he's in the best position he can be because with Tony out right now he's getting plenty of reps plenty of playing time being able to learn on the court which is more than you can do he didn't have a terribly efficient shooting night he was 4 of 10 Um, he never went to the line but he had 10 rebounds yeah wow yeah he crashed the glass yeah no he was doing really well defensively 6 assists 2 steals and only 1 turnover yeah yeah for and a four-point guard, that's great. Yeah, that was Forward, the other thing that we did notice. Phenomenal. We did notice that during the game, we actually made a comment on that, that he was doing pretty good with with avoiding the turnover problem that he has had in the past. Yeah, and I think that that's really a, a good thing because it's, it's really letting us see him grow. And I think it's put a lot of Spurs fans' minds at ease that um, by the time next year comes around or in a couple of years when Tony's definitely going to take a step, step back, by then, he'll be ready. Right, we'll have an answer. Exactly, and that's definitely a good thing because we have been seeking a Tony Parker replacement for years. Not because we want to kick Tony out. Some of them are. I mean, there's always the Tony hate for us out there. It's been um, that way for years. Right. But some of it is because, you know, we know Tony can only keep doing his pace that he's at for so long before he's got to start coming off the bench. And well, who's going to be our starter then? Because everyone, we all love Mills, but Mills isn't, he's not the starter. He's no. always been the, the sixth man guy, the guy who comes off the bench. In a lot of ways, he's more of a Ginobili replacement. Right. And it's not nowhere near the same role. No. But in terms of like spirit. Right. Um, so 
with Jante doing as great as he is at this stage in his career, we don't need to worry too much. Maybe he won't turn out to be as good as Prime Tony, but if he can even just get a, a, a little bit of the way there, he'll be perfect because we have, have Kawhi, we've got LaMarcus. Something I need to talk about, Danny Green. Danny Green, nine points, and he made four of nine. And he made all of two three-point attempts and only one actually went in. He has looked great with his handles. Like, I know we've brought this up before, but seriously, he's consistent with the way he dribbles, with the way he scores off the dribble, mm-hmm. and with making those jump shots. That's the big thing to take out of it from the past couple of games is that he really has improved that part of his tool chest because, yes, we're not getting as many of the three-point daggers right now. It's a little bit early in the season for that anyways, and really um, Pop's trying to experiment with how he's going to want to run the ball for this season. But the fact that Danny actually now is no longer a liability in these areas is a very big deal because historically, that's been the easiest way to expose Danny Green. No doubt, especially because if he's having an off-shooting night from the three, then it's like, well, might as well stick your defender on him on the offensive side. Yeah, because he's just going to be icy all yeah, night. So we're not going to go to him so you can kind of sleep on that. But now you can't sleep on him, and he's still got that defense. And more importantly, he he still shot good at three, 50%, one of two. And the other thing is the way he got that, that one. LaMarcus got it from the top of the key, and he was wide open. He could have taken the three-point shot, but you look at his box score, and he had attempted – Two threes, none of them went in. So he said, well, I'm not too good at making threes, but Danny Green over there, he's wide open as well. He's good at shooting threes historically. Passes the ball, Danny shoots, makes it. And and LaMarcus gets an assist. Exactly. Typical Spurs play. Sacrifice a good shot for a great shot. It works. Exactly. And so that's that's another good thing, that LaMarcus, even though he's playing a lot more like he did in Portland with getting it at the post, he's playing a Spurs style of that. He's still distributing. He's being smart with the ball. He's not just demanding the ball. He's he's demanding that he's involved. He's and he is being involved and he's making the smart decisions. Right. And that's another thing. DeJounte is making the smart decisions. He saw there was a mismatch on one of the plays. Uh Sean Elliott made sure to highlight it and use the mm-hmm. teleprompter. And everyone's just playing with a high basketball IQ. Yeah, which is- no, it's a much smarter team so far than last season. And it's great because most of the players we have came from last season. So they've got the experience under their belt. And the ones that didn't are guys like Rudy Gay and Joffrey Laverne, who even though Joffrey's not the best player historically, he's always had a good IQ. And Rudy Gay, even though he's kind of been known as a somewhat selfish player, he's definitely bought into the system. He had, I think, 10 points today. It might have been 12. It 12. was 12. It was 12. And he's coming off the Achilles injury, so he's not playing as well as he could be, but like I said, he doesn't need to. He's coming off the bench. Right. And the other thing is someone brought this up again at the fourth quarter when we really blew it out at the end. You know what our lineup was? It was DeJounte, Rudy Gay, Danny Green, Manu, and uh, Aldridge. And I think actually it wasn't DeJounte. It was Patty, I think. Yeah. We played small. When, when we play small, we are amazing. We knew this last season. But last season, it was such a small sample size that we kind of like we can't really say that for sure. Right. Whereas now it's like, okay, it's very evident that Pop is, whether he likes it or not, he's going to have to go small if he wants to win. Well, it's the same thing he did in 2014 with the three-point shot. Right, but it's a, it's a rebalanced version of it because in this case— No, what I, what I mean is that in 2014, he, that was the year that he said, you know what, the league is moving towards three-point shooting— it's time we actually use that to our advantage. Right. And now he's doing the same thing, only with small ball. Right. And that's why he built the team the way he built it. More importantly that, they closed with small ball. A lot of Spurs fans, if you've been a Spurs fan for a long time, you know that for a lot of teams, who starts is more most important. But for the Spurs, it's not who starts, it's who closes. Mm-hmm. We closed with small ball. We closed with LaMarcus at the five, Rudy Gay at the four, and so on and so forth. That's incredible that not only would pop close with small ball but that it's working this is right uh isolated incident and i think we're gonna see a lot more of this as the season goes on yeah definitely definitely a major thing to be keeping an eye on in terms of rotations 
like I was saying, we're playing the Raptors. That's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a good test. Yes. Um, an interesting thing to note is that the Raptors are also 2-0. So that'll be interesting to see where that goes. Also, I don't know how well DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry are doing. I know the one game I did see they're playing, they actually played pretty badly. But uh-huh. they had some teammates who played ridiculously well. So it kind of balanced out. Right. And some of that, I believe, was actually by design that they're trying to get their teammates more involved because it was a lot of, like, ISO play between those two guys the previous seasons. Like, they were the – it was a two-man show. So they're trying to really get their teammates involved, and they got teammates that they can get involved. So that will be interesting to see. And that's really where a lot of people's reservations with the Raptors come from. It's like, yeah – they're, they're doing this now, but so many times when it gets rough, it starts becoming the ISO ball. Or what are we, what are we going to see when that happens? Right. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. What else? We talked about the, the resting thing. We talked about the fact that these are glorified preseason games right now. Is there any interesting NBA stuff that you guys can think of off the top of your heads? Well, other than what we've already talked about, you know, the ejections, the losses, the... Um, um, honestly, no, I, th- I think we basically covered everything for the week. Yeah. I mean, it, this week was not as, it wasn't as eventful as last week because last week had all those injuries. Oh, I just remembered. We have had the very first coach firing of the season. Oh, what? Yeah. And la- last season there were no coaches fired, which was incredible. I don't think there's been a single season for years almost like decades where there wasn't a single coach fired, but there is one already, already. It's early in the season. Earl Watson of the Phoenix Suns was fired today. Funnily enough, an hour before they announced that, or at least an hour before Wodge broke that news, Eric Bledsoe, a player on the Suns, said, I don't want to be here. So the question that a lot of people try to figure out is, did he say that because Earl Watson got fired and he knew? Or did he say that because he didn't like Earl Watson and wants to leave and that got Earl Watson fired? The mystery continues. (laughs) Poor Phoenix. And apparently he uh, set an NBA record for at least three games coached in a season before getting fired. Oh, wow. Thanks, U-I-N-R-B-J with a Bulls flair. That's uh, actually a really fun fun fact. So, yeah, um, we finally had someone get fired after over a year and no one got fired. We were starting to wonder if this was the, the actual NBA for a second there. It was a good one, guys. <laughs> Pack it up. We're done here. Yep. Okay, Um. last bit of Spurs news. Pop actually uh, was asked about Derek White. He was our uh, draft pick this previous draft. Right. Um. A lot of people are curious why we got him because we already stacked with guards. Remember, this is before we realized we were going super small. Right. Um. And this is what he had to say because someone asked him about uh, the Derek White's playing time. There's a spot over there on the bench that is probably going to get polished by the seat of his pants. His role will be to watch and learn and absorb as much as he can. He's a great kid, but there's no room at the end right now. So he's effectively saying, yeah, he's a bench warmer. We're all immediately assuming he's going to get sent to the G League over down here in Most Austin. Likely. So we should probably get to see the park sometime and watch him in person. Maybe yeah. even do a special episode on that. Yeah, maybe. Um, so that's interesting because a lot of people are asking why we – why we got him, especially because we're so stacked with guards right, right. now. Um, and let's let's talk about that for a second because I think the main theory right now going is that we think he might be able to be a true money replacement. Right, Maybe we don't not, have that yet. Right, maybe not in terms of replacing the skill set that Manu has, but replacing that slot position, in a way that right. we need him to. Because, you know, we say it every year, but this could be the last year of money. This... Basically, it's easy to say this is the last year of Manu. I don't think anyone really believes that there is another year of Manu after this. Right, but we said that last year and the and year, year before, before. That. So no one wants to assume it's the last year, but we kind of have to have that mentality yeah. because we saw it with Tim Duncan. The one year we all assumed he'll be back next year, he says, no, nah, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done, yeah. To be fair, we all really should have known that that was Timmy's last year, the second we saw the second deep race. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we all knew that. And he himself actually straight up said later on that in his mind he can still play. It's just that his knees don't agree with him. Yeah. 
because it's true. He's got that basketball IQ where he legitimately, if he wants to, he could still play. I mean, and there still be is valuable. a reason that he is always consistently at the Spurs training facility. But it's just the the pressure of, of the pace of the NBA yeah. and the amount of minutes you gotta play. It's just too much if, for his if knees. It it's were too much a pain. Different era of NBA. Then I have no <sighs> doubt in my mind that Timmy would still be playing. But the level of athleticism that is required to compete in today's NBA makes it to where it is a literal impossibility for Tim Duncan to be able to get in that in that court. Right, so that's kind of why we got Derek White because we know we gotta start thinking about replacing Manu as well. Because yeah, we got our Dejounte replacement. I mean, our Tony replacement with, with Dejounte, which is more important because Tony is much more integral to the way the system works. Because we do have um, Patty and a lot of the other bench to help with Manu when he's not there, but we don't really have someone for Tony until now. Um, so now we got to start thinking about possibly replacing Ginobili. So that's probably why we did that. So I'm interested to see where he goes now he he develops. Yeah, and I'm really rooting for him, mainly because, again, he's... Well, not again, because we haven't said this yet, but he's from Colorado. And we, again, we used to live in Colorado. That's how we got to watch the sports. Not only that, but he went three or four years at UCCS. We lived in Colorado Springs. Now he's playing for our team. It's like... Kind of a full circle thing. Yeah, it's a full circle thing for us. So I, I really want him to do well. That way I can really root for him. Right. Um. Let's see. I almost forgot. Dude, we saw a couple of HEB Spurs commercials, man. Oh, you're right. Um. We only really saw two. I know there's a few more out there, but uh, we'll talk about those as we see them. So, right. So we had two ep- two different commercials pop up. During the game, I believe, and one of them was the skydiving commercial. That one was called New Experiences, and that was the one where they were trying out the different. The what it was was that it was, the idea was that Rudy Gay just you know joined the Spurs and they're trying out the primo picks, and Rudy is like, man, I really wish I could have been here sooner so I could try all these primo picks that I missed out on. I really wish I really wonder what else I missed out on. And so, because they think of that, they think of things they could have missed out on, and they end up going skydiving, because they missed out on going skydiving. And, of course, the whole punchline is... Right, we shouldn't reveal punchlines. No, of course not. Go watch them on YouTube. Go watch it. Um, um, very funny commercial. And then the other one, of course, is... The, the Spurs Retirement Club. I'm glad that they're doing, doing legend, uh, a yearly Legends commercial now. Um, it was Tim Duncan, George Gervin... Uh, David Robinson, Sean Elliott, and they had to Skype in um, Bruce Bowen, but it was it was great the way they did. It I loved seeing Bruce and in that commercial. In the commercial, they uh, order some curbside pickup groceries, and it's it's just great because of the the way they they order it and they take and the vehicle they take to go pick it up is just fantastic. Yes. Um, go watch that one for sure. Of course. And I think there was one more. I don't know if you saw it, J.D. No, I've not seen it. Yeah, we saw it. It was called Hummus Tasting. Oh, never mind. I have seen that one. Okay, okay. yeah. yeah. I so, take it back. Yeah, so what happened in Hummus Tasting is that they were trying out the uh, different type of hummuses, and uh, they, they were enjoying it, and then they make fun of they make fun of the thing that everyone makes fun of. It's like, how do you pronounce the mode for it? You know, everyone, you know, everyone's like, oh, is it like, uh, is it hummuses? Is hummus side? <laughs> that, you know, that type of joke. And they, and it, it's, the, like, uh, it's just hummus. It's, it's like moose. Hummus. <laughs> it's, it's one of those like really goofy ones. It's, it's like the traditional ones from back in, you know, 2004, you know, when, Manu was getting the quick brisket because Pop said he wanted a quick basket. That happened. It was back during the flowing yep. hair of Manu days. Look it up. I'm not joking. No, but, you know, because that's the thing. Is there anything like the HEB Sports commercials no. for any other team no. in any other sport? And, and there never will. Chris because Paul the, and DeAndre Jordan used to have the State Point commercials. That's that not the count. same thing. I those mean, are national. I know. Damian Lillard's in those too. No, 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 no. But the thing is that it, even though no, no. The thing about those commercials is that it was always centered around Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan. Yes, yes, yes. They had the Hoopers, which had Damian Lillard, Kevin Love, and Kevin Garnett. But past that, last year it was all about DeAndre Jordan and Chris Paul, and it really showed that Chris Paul's house was a 
disaster area. But the thing about it is that it's it's not about it. What makes the HEB commercial special and why you will never see anything else in any other sport like it is because of the local nature of it. The fact that the team does not allow their their stars to really do a ton of endorsements outside of being part of the team. The only exception really being the star, which in this case is, of course, Kawhi Leonard with the Jordan brand. Well, Manu has a Spanish Gatorade commercial. That's Manu and Spanish commercials. <laughs> Manu almost always has a yearly Spanish HEB commercial because they have to have at least one HEB commercial in Spanish. Right. He's right. also almost. Done I think his last way year out. he did it with Pal, though. So I mean, yeah, I, I get what you guys are saying. Yeah, there's n- no, there's no real true like commercials with NBA team synonymous. No, the, the, I will say that there is one team that has commercials that are like the HEB sports commercials. Would you like to hear what it is? Sure. The Astros HEB commercials. I completely forgot about those. The one we saw was one of the guys had a. Decided to make a slider food truck. Oh, and the gotcha. joke is That's that right. uh, someone ordered this ridiculous item, and someone and the other guy asked, "What's on that?" And he replies, "All of the above." And it's this ridiculously tall mini hamburger with everything on it. It's it, it was funny. It, it, you could tell it was made by the same team, and that I mean, I mean the same production team, mm-hmm. and that. The Astros saw what they were doing with the Spurs and said, hey, can, can you do that for us? Right. I don't think it's got as big a following because I think it's a newer thing. Right. And because, you know, it's baseball. Right. Which very much has a m- much more homer mentality of you root for your team and your team only. Yeah. Until they get asked in the playoffs and then you root for whoever's closest to your team. Exactly. Um, very geography driven. Yeah. And you know, speaking of, you know, World Series, go Astros. Yes. Um, it's been a long time. No, but getting back to the HEB Spurs commercials, you know, the, they've been doing those since freaking the, the early 2000s. So it's become synonymous with Spurs and HEB. And the commercials, because of the internet, so many other fans have started watching these as well. And it's become a thing, not just for Spurs fans, but for the whole NBA community. And it's fun to watch. And it's, it's something we can call our own for the fans. And it's just great. And it makes us all go out and by H-E-B. And who doesn't love H-E-B? People that don't have H-E-B. Even if you don't, you can order online. H-E-B ships. Yeah, but it's... it's Sometimes you just don't love H-E-B because you don't have it. It reminds you that your grocery store isn't as good as H-E-B. I mean, think about living in Dallas. That's very true. Poor Dallas people. At least you will always have Dork. And Central Market. Okay, so I think that's all the time we've got for today. Um, we're looking forward to your next episode and looking forward to the game against the Raptors. I hope it all goes well. Hope we win, and it's a fun game, at least more fun this than this previous one. Um, is there anything else you guys want to say? Not really. Uh, see you next game. Go Spurs go. Go Spurs go. See you next time. <laughs>